You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing from iHeartRadio. Energy, charisma, fire, and unmistakable hair. These are just a few of the words to describe the mesmerizing stage presence of Venezuelan conductor Rafael Payare. This is Payare conducting Mahler's Symphony No. 5 with the Montreal Symphony Orchestra. He first gained attention as the winner of Denmark's 2012 Malco International Conducting Competition. Since then, the 43-year-old has conducted many of the world's preeminent orchestras, including London, Boston, Chicago, New York, and L.A. He was also principal conductor of the Castleton Festival in Virginia and led the Ulster Orchestra of Northern Ireland. Payari has been the music director of the San Diego Symphony since 2019, and this is his first year as music director of the Montreal Symphony positions he currently holds simultaneously. Payare's road to such prestige began at Venezuela's fabled El Sistema, a music education program whose illustrious alumni include Gustavo Dudamel, the newly appointed music director of the New York Philharmonic. I wanted to know how El Sistema began and how Payare found his way to it. Well, El Sistema is started this wonderful program that Dr. Jose Antonio Abreu created in Venezuela back in 1975. And the whole idea is that the music should be part of the education and that music is a right and not a privilege. So we should be able to access to music. And we have that. One of the things of El Sistema is that actually you just go to one of the nucleus, they call it nucleus, all of these different, you cannot say conservatoire because there are some of them that they are mainly bare bones. So it depends. That's why we call them nucleus. It depends what part of the city they are. And they give you the instrument. They will give you the teachers. You just need to show up, but you start playing an instrument. And at the same time, you start playing in an orchestra. So you are always 
part of a bigger kind of community. So since the very beginning, it's that the let's say the unorthodox part that it's you already start playing your instrument and you immediately start playing in a symphony orchestra right away. So that that's the part that let's say is not as normal in the rest of the world. But it's not a music school like Curtis or Manus. It's not a school no, no. that's granting you a degree. It's more of an academy. Well, that's why they call it Nucleus, because it's just, uh, you will not get a degree. Of course, then you could go to school and everything altogether, but it is actually a place that they will be teaching music. You just need to appear there. They will give you the instrument, they will give you the, the teachers, and you will start playing an orchestra. The idea is you don't have to be underprivileged for everybody, but of course, a big aim is trying to be for the underprivileged people that they might be poor. And the whole idea is that somebody, just because is poor, it should not have a poor education. So they always bring into a system of people from everywhere in the world, from Manhattan School of Music, Juilliard, Sibelius Academy, Berlin Philharmonic, to try to go and teach and to do master classes for any of the students there. Now you, when you were in your performing career, you played the French horn, correct? That is correct, yes. And who chose the French horn? You or someone chose it for you? Well, I think the French horn chose me somehow because my brother, he was playing in the orchestra already. My brother is eight years my senior. He was playing a bassoon, but, you know, he did his thing in his room and I did mine. And then was one day I approached his room and he was listening to something and that caught my attention. He asked me, do you like it? I said, yes. So he said, I'm going to take you to the orchestra tomorrow. And then I went there and I started. Many months later, I found out that what he was listening was the 1812 Overture. And what caught my attention was the Marseillaise theme. And it was the horn sound that caught my attention. And I went into this nucleus, the conductor of the orchestra. He was not only the conductor of the orchestra, but also the teacher of trumpet, trombone, French horn, and tuba. His name was Antoine Duhamel, and he gave me this, yeah, you know, and he gave me this uh, bronze, thin, brassy thing and told me, blow, I did, and it sounds, and that's how I started playing the French horn. That's amazing. That's amazing. How long were you at Sistema? Oh, well, I, I like to say that I'm, I'm still part of it. I mean, <laughs> we are, yeah, we have started since 1994 to this day, pretty much, yeah. Right. And from there... Do you go to a formal music school? Yeah, in Caracas, you get your instrument and you wanted to get better and better. Then I moved to Caracas because I was part of that uh, generation when Gustavo was also part. We started with the National Children Orchestra, then it was the National Youth Orchestra, and then Simon Bolivar Youth Orchestra, and then Simon Bolivar Orchestra. And in Caracas, we go to a proper university. But the thing was that because the orchestra was getting a lot of tours and a lot of things. So we kind of need to do things a little bit differently. And in my case, when I started conducting, that it was a, a path that Maestro Abreu kind of opened the door for me, I got one-on-one -on -one classes. So I got all of the things, but instead of having a full semester and going every day, I just have very focused and immersion class of six, seven hours one-on-one -on -one to try to get all of this because I had to keep you know, rehearsing and doing things. It sounds like the classical world is like college football. That You know, they're going to help you get through your grades because you're such a great quarterback. Some, something <laughs> like that a little bit, yeah, yeah. You're a great French horn player, so we're going to take care of everything for you. You just keep playing that <laughs> horn, pal. You just keep blowing those notes, and we're going to take care of your grades. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, you could say that. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. But but now, now, when you're there, when you are at Simone Bolivar... You're playing principal horn for Simone Bolivar between 2001 and 2012. You're Correct. touring and you're recording. And you were around some of, of course, these titans of the classical repertoire in terms of music directors. You're around Abado, who I worship. I mean, I, I worship no one more than Abado. Mazel, who I worship. Rattle, I don't know, but I love him. And Sinopoli, of course, is a great legend. And when you're around them... And when you're in that world and you're performing, when does someone tap you on the shoulder and say, come with me, and they want to start to talk about you picking up a baton? Who first suggests that to you, when and where? Well, with him, the very first one that actually talked to me about it, it was actually Maestro Abreu. He was the very first one. I got very inspired by Giuseppe Sinopoli. He did a tour with the National Children Orchestra. And I just, I mean, we were 150 kids playing 
Rienzi overture from Wagner, and he did not speak Spanish, and then he changed the sound of the orchestra within seconds. Now, that really impressed me and said, like, I would like to do that one day when my hair is all white, you know, and I'm old, I, I will do that. But then with Maestro Jose Antonio Abreu showed me the path and started having this. And then at the same time, uh, Maestro Abado was coming, Mazel was coming, Rattle was going into Venezuela. So I got kind of look at the one-on-one -on -one thing. And at the same time, Gustavo and I were very good friends. Gustavo was already doing all of this conducting and I was uh, I was his first horn. So I was very supportive of him looking in the orchestra. Okay, I make sure that the horn section is always going to be on top form for the concerts with Gustavo. So it was kind of an organic thing to be going through. But at the same time, while I was sitting in the orchestra, it was like, a, well, college kind of experience. I was just getting all of the things from all of these amazing conductors and those words getting in my head somehow, all of the information, how they work with the orchestra. So the first time you step on a podium with a baton in your hand or, or without one for that matter is when? The very first one, it could have been already with a brass ensemble because I was with a brass quintet and we used to teach kids. We go into different cities in the country and we arrive on a Thursday, we play a concert, teach Friday, Saturday, and on Sunday, we put a little brass ensemble together. So that was the first time that without a baton, I did something. And then for real, in front of an orchestra, I think was around 2007, I think. With who? It was the youth orchestra of Maracaibo, and it was a master class in conducting with the South Korean conductor Sun Kwak was dictating that. Uh -huh. And during that thing, he picked who was going to do which part of the concert, and he decided that I was going to actually close the masterclass with the last movement of Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony. Now, just to get back to the horn for one second, did it come naturally, that French horn, to you, or was it something that you had to work extra hard on? Well, the French horn, it's a very ungrateful instrument, and any <laughs> French horn player would agree with me. We love the instrument, but sometimes it just... Uh, get you back to earth in the most unlikely places or moments when you think you're on the top of the world, you have a crack. But actually, with the French horn, I, I think that it was, a, it, it was a wonderful instrument, that they, it was very nice fitted for me. And it, I always had that love, sometimes hate relationship, but mostly love. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to put the cards on the table here. I went to go see you, and I'm there at Carnegie Hall, and my wife or someone said to me, what was Payari like on the podium? And I said, he had the athleticism of Dudamel and even Yap, because von Sweden is very, very hopping around the podium. He's very active from the waist down. I said, Payari reminds me of Dudamel from the waist down, and he reminds me of Dutois from the waist up. He's very elegant. He's athletic and elegant at the same moment, at the same time. He's oh, very, wow. very, you, he's man. very, very powerful, even convulsive when he wants to, and then he's pulling it back dramatically, and he's in complete control of his body, and, there, and there's an exuberance, and there's a spasmodic quality to his body, only when needed. And then, because, I mean, I was, I, I, Dutrois was my favorite, and I was friends with Charlie and Chantal, and they were dear friends of mine, and uh, I watched you up there, and I thought, is this your style? That this is what came out of you? Did you model yourself after somebody? Was somebody your inspiration? No, not really. I think, I mean, I, I still don't know how I look like, and I don't like to look at videos of me. My God, that's terrible. But uh, You should watch um, it because it's fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. But in reality, no, I think that was one of the things that my mentor, Jose Antonio Abreu, said, like, look, you just get enough information and the body will find its way to express itself what you want to do with music. So I will not know what will be my style at all. I do have to say that together with Gustavo, we used to watch videos of Carlos Kleiber and of course of Claudio Abado as well, because they're just amazing, mm. fantastic conductors. But no, I do not try to shape or do any kind of movement on purpose or conscious like it's just what my body likes to do it's like my hair you know it has a life on its own there's nothing i can do about yeah. it it's whenever it goes one way it's like okay fine well, I was going to say, I think that they should rearrange the stage because it's tough to see some of the performers over your hair. 
<laughs> they, they should change the seating plan. I hope they've allowed. I hope they've factored your hair and the height of your hair into the seating plan. But anyway, now the, all these legends. I didn't meet all of them. I met Mazel when he was just leaving New York. Charlie, I knew Eschenbach. I met. Mean, I met a bunch of these people. Baron Boim, you know, the contemporaries are the ones that are just cresting now into retirement. I met. So many of them. And, and, and when I say that Charlie's my favorite, I should say he's among my favorites because I love Mazelle as well. Now, you went to right. Castleton. I went down there and did a program. Dee Linda is his wife. Absolutely. Right, so Dee Linda, yeah. Mazelle was gone, and she invited me to come down there to the Virginia countryside and do some program down there with one of her sons. All and right. it was, I forget what it was. It was a kind of an odd little program. But I was very admiring of what she was doing. You went down there how often? How many trips did you make to Castleton? Well, it started because the thing with Castleton, Marcel, when I won the Malco competition in 2012, Maestro Marcel was actually the chairman of the jury. And one of the things that it happened by winning the competition is that you were going to get a little bit like a tutor, kind of tutelage under, under Marcel. So I remember that it was very funny because the night of, of the gala, we did the final I was announced that I was the winner. It's already one in the morning after the dinner with this whole thing. And I had to catch a plane back to going back to Venezuela. And I was like, well, my flight is at six, so I need to go. Maestro, thank you very much for everything. It's like, no, no, no. You uh, do not think that you are going to get rid of me that easily. You will come to now Castleton on July. And on July 7th, I... He, this is himself talking. I am going to conduct Beethoven 9, and I want you to open the concert and conduct Leonora number 3. I will send you my score, and I'll see you there. I mean, you know, Marcel yeah. tells you that, what you're going to do. It's like, <laughs> yeah, of course. I I went there, and, and it was fantastic. He stayed over there, and all of the program that he was putting on there together, it was amazing. I did that. I conduct his semi-his score. His score, it has metronome marking fingerings and everything all together and there was a part of me that i was a little bit in shock because i thought like um would he expect me to do all of his things in there or or not i don't know and i will just i will go with my gut feeling and i will do how i i listen to this music so i got his score but i did my tempos i did my thing and there was no complaint at all whatsoever he actually was waiting for me there with the his aren't wide open and treat me like I was like his grandson or something. And yeah. he was so, so supportive. He's a lovely then, man. Absolutely. Lovely so, man. I mean, all of those things that people might think that he was cold or whatever, that's, they never really get to meet him. He was so, so warm. And it was funny because what you'll hear me conduct in Carnegie Hall was Mother 5. My first time in Castleton, we were talking, I said, do you, do you love Mahler? It's like, yes. And do you do the fifth symphony? Yes, maestro, this is one of my, this is one of my pieces. So it's like, well, then you have to come next year and do Mahler fifth, which I did in 2013. And then the year after that, in 2014, we were going to do a concert together, a split concert. And I was due to travel there on a Monday and he passed away on a Sunday. <sighs> maestro Rafael Payare. If you enjoy conversations with gifted conductors, check out my episode with Pavo Yervi. I have two girls right now who, they're very talented, but they don't know what am I going to do in life. I never had ever that question because I wanted to not only to be a musician, I wanted to be a conductor. Why? Because my father was a conductor. I loved my father. I think he was having a lot of fun and we we're very close to this day. So it was done. It was a done deal. I wanted to be a conductor. And I never, ever wanted to be anything else, ever. To hear more of my conversation with Pavo Yervi, go to heresthething.org. After the break, Raphael Payari tells us how he shapes a music program and uses it to take the audience on a journey. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career 
And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Monday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. This is Rafael Payare conducting Shostakovich's Symphony No. 11 with the San Diego Symphony Orchestra. Maestro Rafael Payare has had a meteoric rise since he won first prize at Denmark's Malko International Conducting Competition in 2012, I wanted to know how one judges something as misunderstood as conducting in the first place. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, conducting is a little bit like a voodoo thing. So having the competition is a little bit kind of strange. But I remember my time with Malco, we were 48 participants during that time. And it was going to be through 10 days. I remember my only goal, it was that maybe I will not get eliminated in the first round because if I pass to the second round, the competition was going to pay for my hotel. So that was <laughs> that was my main goal in the whole thing. I came from Venezuela and it's like, I hope I don't get eliminated in the first round. But I mean, it was kind of nerve-wracking. I remember the first round, it was about five minutes different and four completely round with different repertoire in the whole thing. There was one of the round that Marcel said, like, do not say one word. It is seven minutes with three different pieces. Show everything with your hands. Then the third round is like, actually, we want you see rehearse. I mean, not me, all of the different participants. Then the fourth round, we have a piece that it was written for the competition, and we only got the score a month before, and then it was the final. So it was completely different, different, very different kind of experience. And you have this amazing orchestra, the Danish radio, and they will be in you are in front of them for a certain amount of time and they will just react to what you do or right. play what, what same orchestra different. that's being same conducted orchestra. by all 48 people yep and the repertoire it was the pool of of music it was really 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 wide i mean i remember it ranged from Mahler 7, Beethoven 4, Brahms 4, Bartok Concerto for Orchestra, Vorjak 7. I mean, the amount of music was, and the conductor, the resident composer for that, it was Christos Penderecki. So he wrote a piece especially for that that we actually have to premiere in front of, of, of everybody, if you made it that far in the competition, yeah. Now, soon thereafter, you go to Ulster, correct? That's correct, yes. Now, if I were to say... 
in some overly simplified way, what would be culturally and climatologically the opposite of Venezuela, the answer would be Ulster. <laughs> you can say that easily, that's for sure. <laughs> what, yeah. what, what happens to Rafael Payari when he shows up in the north of Ireland? And you're there for five years, correct? I mean, obviously you leave and travel and guest conduct and do other things. But what was it like to... Because I want you to describe to me the same with Ulster as with San Diego, and that is when you arrive. What's the vibe there? What's the audience? Yeah. I mean, it was the first time I went there. The orchestra was fantastic, and we have an immediate connection. And the thing is that the audience as well, they are so welcoming and so warm. Very, very much so. So it was... I remember I went there for a concert to Shostakovich Piano Concerto, opening with Ravel Le Tombeau de Couperin, mm -hmm. and then ending with a, a Firebird Suite. And the concert was absolutely great. And I remember we have the dinner after the concert, and I sat down, you know, okay, it's time to have a steak, let's have a drink. And then the, the intendant of the orchestra said, like, uh, what do you think if you are going to become our chief conductor? So I thought that she was joking, you know, and I was like, okay, yeah, why not? But okay, let's eat. And this is crazy. Two days later, they actually called my agent and asked, and they offered, it was real, the, the whole thing. And then I came back and I said, like, yeah, why not? I mean, the connection with the orchestra was great and the audience was fantastic. However, coming from Venezuela, I already have an accent in English, but their accent is also very hard to understand mm -hmm. the way they have it. But it was just fantastic to see this very rainy, gray sky all mm -hmm. the time. And I find that really wonderful. I come from Puerto La Cruz and we have sun 365 years. So I was fine with having some gray in the sky mm -hmm. and, a lot, and a lot of rain. So I love Northern wonderful. Ireland. I shot a movie in Belfast about yeah. three years ago. I had never been there before. I don't went to the south. And uh, I went up to the north for the first time, and I loved it. It's dreary, but it's yeah. poetically dreary. It's really very, yeah. very, very beautiful. Yeah, Absolutely. And the green, with the amount of water they have, the green, it yeah. has a particular kind of uh, zest that is different from everywhere else. It, it, it's just wonderful. Now, I'm going to ask the same thing about Ulster, which is, you're the music director, correct? Yes, that's correct. So you're the music yeah. director there. But when you go to Ulster... When you go to San Diego and you're growing and your experience is growing, and then when you arrive in Montreal and they're, they're not going to give the keys to that car to just anybody, you know, you really, really are uh, at the big time now. What is your involvement in selecting the program? I'm on the board of the Phil here in New York. They have a music committee, and right. you know they, they want to have discussions with the executive director and uh, people in the committee and members of the staff and the maestro about what's going to be played. How much input do you have? Let's, let's start with San Diego. When you go down there, how much input do you have into the program? Oh, a lot, because I not only program my programs, I also have to overview of course, we have a team there, a wonderful team, the CEO with San Diego, Martha Gilmer. She used to be the artistic program of Chicago Symphony for 35 mm. years. Wow. So she is also have the... With Schulte. The, yeah, exactly. She went with Schulte, with Barenboim, with Haiting, with Boulez, yeah. with all of them, and Muti even. Yeah. So she had all of this experience. We also have our artistic team all together, and we just sit. But the whole thing is I don't like to just program my program for the sake of programming. And when you say my program, what do you mean? My weeks. The ones you're conducting. Yeah, the one that I'm conducting, but it's actually who, how are we taking the audience into this kind of journey and this kind of voyage. And it's very important, the many different things that, let's say, the sound that I am looking the orchestra to develop more, so that is also had to do with the repertoire that you have, but not everything needs to be about that. We also need to be appealing for the audience and the people, what they are, our supporters that are going to be there. So normally what I do is just look at the last 20 years, 25 years, what they have been doing, what is lacking, and what there needs to be done. Also as well with what is my core repertoire and what I think that the orchestra needs to develop or explore or bring back. So, yeah, it's a lot. But those conversations are really, really fun and they are ongoing for a long time. I remember the first time with San Diego, we started a conversation at 10 in the morning in Aspen and it ended at 7 p.m. 
I was even texting Martha when I was to the airport going to another orchestra. How about if we do this and this? And then we go back and sit again for another six hours. Then Martha went to Berlin. We have another two days from 10 to 12 p.m. Just talking and just trying to put the next five years of what do we want to do and where do we want to orchestra to go and how do we dream and make try to have all the things together. So, yeah, the, the, the input is quite big, I have to say. Well, also, I'm wondering whether it be in San Diego. I know that not all the great ensembles are created alike in terms of their funding. Some of them have lots of endowments and cash, and some of them not so much. And I'm assuming that you as the music director are called upon, especially when you're young and vital like you. You know, you're not uh, Blomstedt, who's 92 years old. They're not going (laughs) to roll him out for the cocktail party maybe before the show. But for a young, energetic guy like you... Are you pressed upon to participate in development and fundraising with the organization? Well, I think it is very important, of course, because the fundraising, what is the fundraising for? To be able to make the dreams that we have happen. So sometimes we have some things, but I have to say that they are very smart how the way they do it. They don't do right. it too much and they do yeah. it in a, in a very they nice way. They don't abuse way. that relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah now, now, when you're in San Diego, it's not one of the major venues, but they have a great, great tradition down there, don't they? Yeah, yeah, indeed. And one of the things that is wonderful with San Diego is that I'm arriving into this period of time for the orchestra and the city that is actually having like a like a big push. It's a wonderful time to happen. I mean, we just opened this beautiful outdoor venue. How the do they Ray pronounce Dichel. that? The Rady Shale. It is Rady. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's by the bay. I mean, it's San Diego has one of the best climates in in the whole world. And then you have this amazing shell surrounded by water with this ridiculously blue sky. And then from the stage, you could actually see Mexico. I mean, come on. (laughs) You know, I mean, this is is something that it's amazing. And you're pointing to where you're going to have dinner after the show, right? Yeah, yeah, immediately. And you could have that with maybe a little bit of tequila or not, but that's up to you. I think you deserve anything you want, quite frankly, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you. And then you have this, and it's not only about that it's beautiful, but actually on stage they put the -the state-of-the-art sound system so the orchestra could really hear each other very well, and then that is projected into the lawn for the people to have an immersive experience as you will be in an indoor hall. So it's fantastic, And, and the orchestra is playing wonderfully, and now we're about to open reopen because our hall has been into renovation and the orchestra is sounding great. Well, let me ask you this. When you signed on for San Diego, did they tell you that Rady was on the was on, on the drawing board? You knew that was coming? No, I did not. It was already Martha's plan happening with this. But I mean, when I arrived there and they showed me the plans, it, it was amazing. And this is one of the most amazing things. We have a wonderful one of the patrons there. When I was very fairly new in there, he asked me what the orchestra needed. And I said, like, with well, the hall that we're playing, it, it needs some work because the musicians, it will be better. They will even, the orchestra will go into a different status if you have an even better hall. And he brought some people, actually, the architects and, and, and acoustician that did Geffen Hall. They are the one doing the renovation in our hall and we're going to be opening in November. So it's Wait, this is exciting. where? This is in San Diego. Oh, in San Diego. So you're still working with them? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you in the transition phase now? Are you in that in, 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 are you in that seam where you're slowly exiting San Diego to go to no, Montreal? No, not at all. Actually, because in San you're Diego, you're doing both this... at the same time. Oh yes, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. You are the actual music director of both simultaneously. Both yep. Yeah, yeah. This is my first. I just extended my contract in San Diego for four years, and this is my first year in San Diego, and this is my first year in Montreal for and my contract in Montreal. My first contract in Montreal start for five years. Yeah. You don't really like to have time off, do you? Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> now, an important question for my listeners, because of course I've been to SPAC. With Charlie, I've been to Tanglewood countless times. I've been to Ravinia, the Hollywood Bowl, obviously. I mean, I've been to some of the outdoor venues that are really, really beautiful. If you're not in Carnegie Hall, if you're not in Severance Hall, if you're not in one of the great halls around the world and you're outside, what adjustments do you need to make in your work? Well, it depends. Sometimes there are things, depending how is the outdoor venue, there are some of them that they have a wonderful setup 
And this is for instance where San Diego is absolutely world 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 class because now with our outdoor venue they has the Meyer sound system on stage. So you we actually play on stage as if we were in an indoor venue. We do exactly the same. We could go into the softer dynamic to the loudest and, and broadcast this color. Yeah. And they, yeah, because then they actually get that into the mics and that is what's coming out on the lawn. Right. So So they got it right. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. You forget that you are outdoors until all of a sudden there's a helicopter going by or a party boat. Right. I was going to say. Maestro Rafael Payari. If you're enjoying this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Tell a friend and be sure to follow us on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When we return, Rafael Payari shares how a good pairing with an orchestra is like falling in love. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Monday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. I'm Alec Baldwin, and this is Here's the Thing. This is more of the San Diego Symphony performing Shostakovich's Symphony No. 11 in G minor, conducted by my guest today, Maestro Rafael Payari. Between his music director position with the San Diego Symphony and constant travel across the globe working with the world's greatest orchestras, Rafael Payari's schedule is typically jam-packed. When the Montreal Symphony came calling, amidst an already hectic time in Payari's career, I was curious how the pairing came to be. Well, it was kind of funny, let's say, because I had a concert with them in September 2018. I had a concert with them. I was invited as a just guest conductor 
you know, maybe my manager was aware that they were looking for a music director. I was not. I just went there to make music to one of the world-class orchestras, and I was very happy that I was going to do that. And it's very funny because I just a few months back, I was just announced in San Diego. So I went to Montreal my first week with them, and when I finished, I flew to San Diego to do the press conference of what was going to be my first season. It was fairly at the very beginning of their search, the chemistry with the orchestra was phenomenal. I remember we did a program of Schomburg Verklette Nacht, Mozart Violin Concerto Number no. 3, with their concert master as a soloist, and then Beethoven Number no. 3. That was the program. We did that. It was great. Audience was fantastic. I left. I went to San Diego. Then I, have to, I was still in Belfast. I went to do some things. <laughs> they actually... The people from Montreal came to Belfast to visit me and they said that they actually wanted me to come back in July if I would accept and, and do that because the orchestra really liked me and they really want me to be again again. And it's like, sure, yeah, I mean, of course, no problem in July. Actually, I was happened to be free and I went with them and uh, to do some Tchaikovsky and some more and the connection with the orchestra is just got even bigger and it was even better and then they they were still in their process and I was just about to start my tenure of music director in San Diego so starting that they went to some of the concert and then they started talking to me a little bit more serious like do you see you think that it would be a good idea for you to come back and it's like before I do any of that I need to see what the orchestra had been doing in the last 25 years and things like that you know but then COVID hit and they, I think I was considered, but they were not finished in their process. And then during COVID times, by the end in November, they asked me and said, like, look, the orchestra has voted. You are the one that wants us to take this. And But no one knew this was embargo. And I had to go, it's like, please come. You are going to do a concert that it was programmed before a concert I needed to do with them in January 2021. But I had to do 14 days of quarantine because of it was COVID time. And I went there. The orchestra had no idea what was going on because everything was uh, secretive. And then they did uh, over Zoom. They called the orchestra. But that was on January 6th of 2021. Mm -hmm. So the world in this side was kind of going through a rumble. And in there, they were about to get a new lockdown. So the orchestra was a little bit afraid that that meeting was going to be to give some bad news. And actually, when they said that it was me, the whole thing changed. And then we start having rehearsal and we did concert that weekend. And then it was a lockdown. But I was already there for 14 days so we can go for the next 10 days. It was like when you get to know somebody and you fall in love on the first time. That's right. what kind of happens. Now, one should assume maybe, or I'm going to assume that when you become the music director of something like Montreal, you don't come walking in there and meet them on the first day. You've guest conducted there before, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So you have, I, a, you have a bit of a sense and a feel for them and them for you. So yeah. it's not like a blind date when you show up there to become the boss. Yeah, you, you, no, no, you've no. been around them and you've got a taste of how they do things with the various ensembles that you have been the director of or you've guest conducted. Someone once told me, violin's violin. And everybody that has a chair in a major symphony orchestra who plays the violin are among the greatest violin players in the world, let's face it. <laughs> but for you, I'm wondering, for you, did you have a prejudice? Did you have a leaning? Because of you being a French horn player, do you listen more acutely to the horns? Not particularly. Actually, when I go into an orchestra, especially for the first time, it's all about, let's see how the sound of the orchestra reacts to my beat and let's see what we can do together. And it's, it depends. Every orchestra has a specificity and that there's something that is different and with everybody. And yet it will be see how with the chemistry that would happen on the stage, how much it could be bent or it, it's like a dancer party, you know, how much, how fast you can do and how you can go from one place to the other, make it, make a twirl. And it's just all about that kind of trust happening. But I will not say that I will only hear the horns, but I do understand them. And I know that being a solo horn myself, I know that we never want to crack a note. So I know what is in there. And uh, there's many conductors in the past that will give the evil eye to the horn when something would happen. And I know that is not what you're aiming for. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know? Do, do they literally give the evil oh, eye? Oh my God. There's a clip of Carl Böhm doing Beethoven 7, and there's a crack in the horn, and he just look at the guy and just like. <laughs> It's terrible. <laughs> Look oh it up in, in YouTube. Car bomb, Beethoven 7. It's crazy. And uh, that happened in the past. So whenever I go to an orchestra, and if the orchestra happens to know that I'm a French horn player, they know that I'm actually supporting and I am rooting for them and not the other way around, you know? I'm wondering, in the time we have left, in someone in your position when you're a conductor, is there a path that you seek to improve? Do you seek to change in the work you do in acting? What happens with young actors is they work too hard. Mm -hmm. They try to find ways to put even inappropriate levels of emotion just to demonstrate that they can do that. It's like, it's almost like juggling. I want to make sure you know, I want you to be very clear that I can juggle. And what's happening as you go along is you economize and economize and economize. Right. And you do less and less and less. And it's more effective. But my point is, is that for you and someone in your occupation and your profession, are there ways you seek to improve? What do you want to improve? Yeah, well, everything. You know, with, in music, this is one of the amazing things, as you know as well with acting, is that no text is the same, even when you have it from one place to the other. The same thing happened with all of the musical of, of these amazing composers. So, of course, you could always dig a little bit, you know, go deeper and deeper. And at the same time, one of the things that it cannot be is that there are sometimes a repertoire that you might not be able to understand or do justice if you attack it too early or too young on it because you will want to say like yeah i can do this but yeah but that's it actually what you are actually achieving from this amazing piece of music is actually what what it is or is just the surface of it so all the time we want to keep improving and the conducting career is a it's a marathon. You cannot think about is there a hundred meters kind of career because then you will be done. You have to really keep going into one show like, at a time. Yeah, and like Blomstedt, look, he's now ninety two, ninety four. I think he's ninety six actually, and he's yeah. still doing it. He's very old. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, all the different styles, I mean, like Gergiev and that yeah. twitchy hand of his, you see yeah. everybody bringing their stuff. Who go, who's in front of the beat and who's on the beat? Right, right. I mean, I, I come out there and I'd say, if I was a conductor... I, f I would find it difficult to be ahead of the beat. I mean, obviously you need to know the sheet music and be able to read music very well. And then I, and I watch conductors who are ahead of the beat. Yeah. And I watch conductors who, who play to the beat. What's the difference? Why do they choose one or the other? Well, what do you do? What do you prefer? Yeah, well, the thing is that depends on the orchestra. Because there are orchestra that even though you are showing the beat, the sound comes a little bit later. So if you try to adapt the beat to that, the orchestra will keep being a little bit later and, never, and nothing is going to really move. So that is why sometimes you see that the conductor is actually ahead of the beat and it's just because the orchestra to drive knows how them. to do them. Yeah, it, they, they will play, they will have like an inner rhythm. Now, much to my surprise, I didn't know this, I went to go see Lisa Weilerstein perform at, uh, at Geffen Hall the other day and I just learned this is your wife. That is correct, And yes. she had just told me when we met her, I think somebody who's a friend of hers, because it's all one big family backstage there, and mm -hmm. someone there from New York was telling Lisa, and she, I think she said she just had the baby five months ago? No, well, now a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh, now, no, a year about, ago. Okay. Yeah. Well, she, yeah. I mean, not now too, it's not a too year. Long ago. Yeah. Not too yeah, long yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's correct, yeah. So the two of you are waving goodbye to each other and kissing each other goodbye in airports all the time. How does that work? A little bit. Well, we have what we call uh, marriage schedule meetings that we actually sit with our schedule and we put things together and try to see because we have a rule. We we do not want to be apart from each other more than two weeks at a time. Yeah, that is, perfect. That is how we That's want my to rule. have. Yeah. And sometimes you have to break it, but we try to make it, if we are going to break it, it will be like every 18 months or two years or something like that, that we mm -hmm. maybe will break it that way. And we just try to put everything like this. And we have two daughters now. I mean, the latest one is one year old and the, our eldest is actually seven years old. I was one of the people at the Philharmonic years ago, because I've been doing this with them for a while now. I've been on the board and I've been their announcer on public radio for years. And, you know, eventually we presented, because I was very excited about the live to picture movie program. Mm -hmm. And uh, our, our program is called The Art of the Score. It's been enormously successful. It's a real moneymaker for them. And I'm wondering, have you done any live to picture up there? I have not, but in San Diego, I mean, not myself, but we do program it, actually, yes. Well, I, I want to do live to picture with you. Oh, I want to come up to Montreal, we'll do live to picture. Sounds good, absolutely. San Diego and Montreal, both. Let me just finish by saying, beyond thank you, 
And beyond, thank you from te- from giving us some of your very, very limited free time. I just want to say that when I saw you there at Carnegie Hall, I said, this guy's the next great conductor in the ensemble universe. Oh, thank you. I mean, you lit the place on fire. Everybody went nuts, applauding. They loved you. They loved the piece and, and your energy and, and variety and your passion and your discipline. I mean, you have everything just coming together in this unique package. There really isn't anybody like you out there right now, you know? Oh, well, thank you. You're very kind. My thanks to conductor and music director Rafael Payare. We leave you with the Adagietto from Mahler's Fifth Symphony. Rafael Payare conducts the Montreal Symphony Orchestra. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. 
Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.